Fairy! There's just a lot of, like, cod pieces. It's, um... A lot of dicks. Does your back hurt from carrying this team? Shut the fuck up! Jesus. (laughs) Welcome to the 21st episode of Hey Beautiful. Hey, Kate. Hey, Caitlin. Only one episode left. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. What a wild ride season one has been. I know. I was talking with my son because we actually watched this episode together. He said, I can't believe you're only on episode 21. And I was like, whoa, bud, like these take a long time. Like it's a lot of work. It's an investment. He's like, no, no, no. Like I can't believe you're only on 21 because you've been doing this for so long. It feels like forever. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. That's kind of amazing. Super cool. Um, and if I sound a little different, everybody, please don't panic. It's a little echoey because I am in my new house. Woohoo! Yay! So um, <laughs> the office has not been set up yet. So sound will be back to where it normally is next week. If you hear anything funky happening on Kate's end of things, what is that lady doing? Liz just came out into the living room with her, like, temperature gun. There's, like, this gun that you can, like, oh, shoot yeah. a laser yep. and tells you how, how hot, hot and warm it is. Yeah. She has been obsessed with doing it all around this effing house. And she, I just, like, looked over. I saw her out of the corner of my eye, like, through the kitchen opening. And she just had the gun and was just, like, shooting it into the living room. So. Well, to be fair, it sounds very fun. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. So, if you don't know, I'm Caitlin and... This is my girl, Kate. We've been friends hey, yeah. literally our entire life. Yes. And one day this past fall, Kate had said to me, wouldn't it be fun if we did a How I Met Your Mother podcast? And I was like, yeah, I'm super into that idea. And then like <laughs> not even two weeks later, I feel like we did it. Yeah. Yeah. We just started right away. I think we knew that if we talked about it long enough, it just would never happen. Right. Exactly. And here we are winding down season one. I know. So every week we recap one episode of How I Met Your Mothers. We are a spoiler-free podcast. So, you know, if you're just listening, or excuse me, if you're just watching for the first time, we don't want to spoil anything for you. Or if it's been a while and you are re-watching, we want to surprise you with some of the things that we were surprised with the first go around. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. yeah. So we're trying to keep it, keep it tight. Right, exactly. As much as possible. And if we do slip up, I try to I try to catch it in editing. You're pretty good with that. You can find us on Twitter or Facebook. And Facebook. You can it's not one or the other. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Hey Beautiful Pod and mm-hmm. you know, be sure to subscribe to us on SoundCloud or iTunes and leave us some feedback. You know, just some stars if you're lazy, a review if you're feeling extra. Um, because it's a way to help other people like you find our podcast. Yeah, we got a new review since the last time we recorded, I believe. That's right, we did. So this is from Cheryl, who is one of our Twitter buddies. Hi, Cheryl. Hey, Cheryl. First of all, the title of it is Fun, Funny, and Friendly. So, I mean, just summing us up. Perfect, yep. And she said, when I went looking for a Himyum podcast, I was surprised to only find one. We were too. I know, right? That's why That's why we're here. Yeah. I was surprised to only find one, but one good one is really all you need, right? Mm. Yeah. This has everything I'm looking for. The hosts are genuinely enthusiastic about the show, but don't mind calling out problematic elements as well, which I really appreciate. They're also very inclusive of their audience. The sound was a little shaky earlier on. Girl, we know. Yes, Girl, we know. We know. If, but, <laughs> if only we but could do something. Better now. 
I know. But it seems better now, I think. In any case, I am enjoying watching along with them, and I'm always happy to see a new episode in my feed. Keep up the good work. Oh, thank Thanks, you. Cheryl. Thank You're you, best. Cheryl. Yeah, so go be like Cheryl and give us some give us some stars on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Two other little Twitter things. So last week we <laughs> talked, or two weeks ago, we were mm-hmm. uh, we did a shout out to TFGIF, uh, the '90s podcast, and told them we wanted to see them cover Wild and Crazy Kids. Yeah, which they said they're totally gonna do. But then Katie totally triggered triggered me because. She said she wanted to talk about the moon shoes. I think the moon shoes were like always a giveaway on yeah. Wild and Crazy Kids. I remember that. And I remembered this like extremely traumatic story, which I think kind of goes along with the theme of this week's episode of making mistakes. Yeah, you're right. Like the moon shoes were a mistake that I, I knew I was making at the time because I'm not, I'm not very coordinated. <laughs> But guys, see, growing up, Caitlin always had the cool toys. Aww. Caitlin had all the toys. Like, True. she had the power wheels that she never let me drive because it was always charging, allegedly. Well, you know what? Allegedly. <laughs> always charging. <laughs> Whatever. Um, but there were also the moon shoes. Yep. I don't remember. You remember that you had them? Oh, yeah. I remember. I remember because I couldn't <sighs> use them. On TV, Dude. everyone's jumping around Dude. like they're in zero gravity. I couldn't Listen, even lift my feet off the ground together. You could stomp. Um, I know your first story. First of all, because yeah, you were there. I know. There. I just I want to start laughing Dude, before you even tell I didn't it. even know if you remembered it. Okay, so. Of course, as soon as I saw that you said something about moon shoots, and then I saw in our out, our shared outline right now, like I <laughs> couldn't. I. Okay, so the trauma <laughs> was not just mine. I was like, was I like completely, I didn't know if I was alone with what's happened. Okay, no, so no, Caitlin, no. Caitlin's mom was my babysitter, so I always got to play with all of Caitlin's toys. Which is why I had really cool toys, because you got to keep the kids entertained, you know? Yeah, there was like an entire like warehouse of toys. For the youngins out there, moon shoes were basically hard plastic, like giant. It's like a trampoline empty, for your foot. Yeah, it's like foot trampoline. So like the outside was made of this really hard plastic and then the inside it was like these springy sort of things you strapped your feet into. Yeah. Very uncomfortable. Very not safe. I couldn't have been on them for very long. I mean I probably took a couple steps and my ankle turned. Oh. And oh. so I came down <laughs> Oh no. I came down vagina first on the on the outside of a moon shoe. <laughs> and oh. I know that it hurts to get kicked in the balls, but this felt like my entire body got ripped in half like I could I thought I was like bleeding to death I wasn't bleeding at all but it just hurt hurts it hurts so ladies ladies and gentlemen out there if you have a vagina and have ever fallen vagina first you know you know you know on a if you've ever done it on like a like the bike rail or literally anything else but yeah I came down like hard on that in front of apparently Caitlin and I don't remember who else. So um, thanks, Katie. Thanks for bringing up that like buried memory. I think mm-hmm. it was buried in a pretty shallow grave, but still. Just a side note about their podcast. I really genuinely enjoy it. I'm like, oh, it's Friday. I listen to the set on my way to work. I know. And now that I live further away from work, I'm going to be able to listen to new podcasts. You know what one I hope comes out back for a second season? What? While we're talking about podcasts, while we pimp some some podcast that we love a piece of work with abby jacobson 
from Oh, I still haven't listened to that. I keep forgetting. Girl, it is so good. It makes me want to go to like every single museum she talks about. Well, when we do our overnight New York weekend, (gasps) we could do that. Yeah. That magical weekend that's never going to fucking happen. Never going to happen. No. Yeah. Cool. I didn't think a podcast about visual art could be Hmm. that compelling, but she does a really, really good job. And so do the, um, the docents and all the other experts that help her when she like goes to the museums and sometimes she brings a friend along like another um, comedian or an author or someone and Mm -hmm. it's just it's a very cool it's a very cool podcast so anyway back to our podcast uh the other little twitter thing was uh one of the accounts we follow which it's called himium quotes and they just do quotes pretty much all day um and one of the other little things they did was they asked their followers to rank the five main characters, one to five. Yep. Um, so I guess best, best to least. So I was wondering how yours, how you rank. Because I think maybe one person got my, got my ranking out of our, out of our followers. Okay. Marshall. Yep. Barney. Mm-hmm. Lily. Robin. Mm-hmm. Ted. Okay. So Marshall, Barney, Lily, Robin, Ted. I go back and forth between Barney and Lily are so tied for second. Marshall is hands down my favorite. Yeah, same. Mine is uh, Marshall, then Lily, Mm -hmm. then Barney, Robin, and Ted. And for me, Robin and Ted are sort of interchangeable. So exactly. So Lily, Barney are neck and neck. Mm -hmm. And Ted and Robin. I feel like Robin, when she's good, she's really good. But, but so is Ted. Of, they don't give her a lot of room. They don't. Like, when they do, oh, God. She's amazing. It's tough. It is tough. We could probably do it, like, for every season, and it would be different, honestly. Except Marshall's always number one. No, no, obviously. Marshall does not move. So many people on Twitter put Lily last. I know. And honestly, as we're nearing the end of season one, I can understand that. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that. But there's context. Anyway. Are you ready to do this episode or what? I am. Yes. <clears throat> so this is Milk, which is the 21st episode of season one. It aired on May 8th, 2006, was directed by Pamela Fryman and written by Carter Bays and Craig Thomas. Oof, yeah, it totally has the hallmark of Bays and Thomas. Yeah. I was like, oh, you're so like nerdy and like so good at this stuff. But no, it does. You know, it just really hits you right in the gut. And it does. the dialogue is always so good. Mm-hmm. So, so good. They, I mean, they know these characters inside and out. And you can always tell. All right. So scene one opens and we see headlights on a road. And you can't really see much else. And we find out later on this is probably the headlights on the Fiero as Lily's driving through Dutchess County in the dark. The voiceover says, life is a dark road. You never know what's up ahead. And then all of a sudden it says you're cruising along, and all of a sudden you're 28. You hear this like little screech noise too. Yeah, the little screech. Oh, maybe it's Ash. She's getting the flat tire. Yeah, yeah. And so we cut to Ted sitting at the sitting in the bar at their favorite table in a crown, looking kind of forlorn, but celebrated, but surrounded by his friends who are you know party hats on, and it's clearly a very festive occasion. Mm-hmm. And we see Wendy the waitress pull up. And she puts down a plate of lasagna, which I thought was cool because that was always the dish that I asked for growing up for my birthday. Really? Oh, my mom makes a killer lasagna. So good. Jack and I were laughing. 
I'm like, why would you go and order lasagna at a bar? That's so weird. And Jack said, well, maybe McLaren's is known for it. And I was like, it's an Irish bar. Like, why would they have lasagna? Why would you? My mom's fucking Irish and she can throw down on some lasagna. You would think a typical Irish pub would not have lasagna on the menu is what more I meant. Jack said, it's like ordering a burger at a Mexican place, which is a family joke because you ever been to Ortega's? Oh, love Ortega's. He ordered a burger there. What? I didn't even know they had burgers. I know. It's like a weird kid's menu burger. And so we always say to Jack, like, you don't do that. You don't order a burger at a Mexican (laughs) restaurant. He learned his lesson. That was a mistake that he had to make to know. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Goes along with the theme. Ted's hat that he's wearing reminds me of what, like, the prince wore from, like, the Rodgers and Hammerstein (gasps) Cinderella. Cinderella. I remember him wearing in my head. Guys, if you haven't seen that version of Cinderella, it's like from the 60s, and it's just amazing. Cinderella is brunette, okay? It's fucking amazing. It's it's It is the best. She's so beautiful. She's so beautiful. Oh, my God. It's like the Peter Pan live action. It is. People Peter Pan. Watch it, guys. But you don't need to watch the Peter Pan because there's some seriously problematic shit in that. Like all white Native Americans. (sighs) Tiger Lily's blonde? Doing like a doing like a fake Native American like, language. Uggle wuggle wigwam. Like, <laughs> oh god! I found it after, sometime after we moved, and I was watching it. It's problematic <laughs> as fuck. Um, not as problematic as going back and watching Holiday Inn with Bing Crosby. Every they do like every holiday. Like that's the point of this inn. They're mm. only open on the holiday, and they have like a big musical dubber surrounding the holiday. They're going through like this montage of like all the little holidays they do, and one of them is Abraham Lincoln's birthday. Uh, and for Abraham Lincoln's birthday, uh, the man who emancipated the slaves, they decided to do an do entire performance in blackface. Oh. Bing Crosby in fucking blackface. <sighs> you go back and watch that, and you're just like, what the. F- fuck are we thinking anyway so wendy the waitress puts down lasagna and gives the classic warning that you'll get for a plate of uh baked pasta or maybe a uh, french onion soup french onion soup um a plate of nachos Nachos. (gasps) best friends um the plate is hot don't touch it and just hearing it as a as a viewer makes you wonder just how hot the plate is Mm mm-hmm you're like, I felt I? myself lean in like. Bet I could. I bet sure? I could survive it. Yeah. And there goes Lily immediately once Ted gives her permission mm-hmm. and burns her finger on the plate. Because God damn it, it's hot. Sweet damn, that's a hot plate. Yeah. And um, so this kind of sets up the idea that a lot of times we do things that we know we shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. And we kind of have to do them anyway and almost expressly because we're not supposed to. Exactly. Even though you know, like, Lily knows that plate's hot. Yeah. She knows that. From Wendy's not saying it too. for her health. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But so you this just... is like the first mistake. Yeah. I loved trying to find them throughout. Throughout. Mm-hmm. There's so many. So many. Marshall and Robin are begging Barney not to give Ted his present. Yeah. Just don't do it. Don't do it. Please don't do it. It's going to be so embarrassing. But Ted wants to see it because it's the greatest pickup line of all time. And you're like, what? <laughs> What about the greatest pickup line of all time is that embarrassing? Right. It's like the pickup line that, like, you think of when you think of a pickup line. So I guess that makes it the. The greatest, yeah. The greatest, yeah. Capital so, T-H-E. 
Barney walks over to this young lass who has a very uh, shapely shirt on. I say a sizable chest. Sizable chest, ample, ample mm, bosom. Ample bosom. He sees her, and at first he starts talking, and then all of a sudden he sort of panics. You know, he looks at her and he's asking her if she broke anything, and you know, he wants her to sit down and uh, relax, and he tells. Wendy, the waitress, to call an ambulance, and he pulls out a little flashlight, Headline. and he's like, check in her yeah. freaking pupils, so and prepared. he asks for water, and and we don't have any idea what's going on. We're like, what pickup line is this? Like, it doesn't make any sense. And so we cut back while well, that's all happening, and uh, Lily reminds Ted that he's going to be 30 in two years. Ooh. And uh, we, so we get a flash forward, that, and Ted says... You know, my 30th birthday was great, except for the goat in my bathroom, but he'll get to that later. And so that kind of sets up something exciting we're going to hear about in the future, which is a fun thing that they do. Um, A lot of flashbacks, but also flash forwards. So uh, we know that at some point in the future, there will be a goat in the apartment on Ted's birthday, and we're just going to have to wait and find out. Then Lily sort of, I don't know if she's joking with Ted or sort of enabling his Tedological clock, but she talks about like, all right, you're almost 30. You going to try to settle down now or what? And Ted says, nope, I'm just going to hit the snooze button for now. I'm just going to lay back. And then we cut back over to Barney and in come the paramedics. The paramedics. Oh, boy. Who look wildly familiar. They do. Don't they? Mm-hmm. Well, friends. If you're watching for the first time, or if you haven't uh, done a ton of research into this show, you may not know that this is the, I believe it's the one and only cameo by our writers and creators, Carter Bays and Craig Thomas. I remember when I watched this for the, for the first time on the DVDs, when they did the outtakes, they did a lot of like close-ups on the two of them, and I had no idea that it was Carter and Craig. I was like, oh, why really? are they focusing so much on the paramedics? <laughs> Fucking idiot. So we see them and, and they're the paramedics and they're checking the girl out and Barney's telling them there might be internal bleeding or fractures and the girl is so confused. And then he says that she's had a terrible fall. Straight out of heaven, Angel. Bing! Love <laughs> so that part. Good. And then he starts his own chant. I gotta try this sometime. Starts his own chant of give him your number. I love when he starts his own chant because he's like, what? What? Oh my what? God, stop it, Who guys. said that? Who said yeah. that? It's very charming. Yeah. Oh, this, yeah, this is, that sort of saved the whole bit, just how, how charming he was in that yeah. moment. So she gives him his, her number. Um, and then we find out that this was all a setup. Yep. So at, you could have believed when you first heard it that he got the paramedics called all with a ruse, but mm-hmm. the paramedics were in on it. Wendy, the waitress, is in on it. So um, 911 was never called. The paramedics are actually actors. Um, and I love, he says, like, I can't remember where, but you can see them at the whatever, whatever. At the whatever. playhouse, yeah. yeah. In, in uh, what is it, Troilus and Cressida or Cressida yep. and Troilus? Whatever. Troilus yeah. and Cressida. Yeah, Shakespeare. I love so, he's like Wendy the waitress tip her well like tip her well like he did like a stand up routine or something you know and it's like so thinking amazing. the band and yeah thinking the lights yeah. everybody and it was definitely a Barney caliber bamboozle that we got to For see sure. those are those are always so fun and during the give him your number we get another shot of the fourth wall yes that weird brown that, paneling it's so strange yeah they do it a few times in the in the 
in the pilot? first season. And it's not the pilot, but like in the first season. Because we do it in the pilot of, at least once. And then there's another time. There's another time. I couldn't remember other than yeah, that. Yeah, I think this is the third time that we've seen it. And um, on the Wikipedia page, it said this weird. was the first time. And I was like, no, it's not. Oh, that's absolutely not true. Not true. It's at least two other times. So so we got to see that again. And that's always a weird angle that no one really likes that much. No. And Marshall can't believe that this girl gave him her number. And to me, that's the second mistake of the episode. Is this this girl falling for Barney's shenanigans? Second mistake was ordering the lasagna. <laughs> <gasps> How dare you? How dare you? Then we're back to Ted and he's talking about dating and all that and finding the one. And he says... I'm too picky. I'm not going to settle for anybody, so I'm just going to wait for a girl to come along who can, you know, meet my standards. And I think everyone who's been in the dating world for a little while gets these moments. Mm -hmm. You kind of go back and forth between I'm not good enough for anybody and I'm way too good for any of these schmoes. And so you kind of go back and forth and, you know, you'll be really into it and trying to just, like, be with anybody that shows interest in you and then Mm -hmm. you'll want to just like sit back and see what happens with fate and get like extra judgy and picky about it and I think both phases are important Mm -hmm. you know because you're figuring out what you like what you don't you know you're trying to figure out sort of calibrate like what you want to compromise on and whatnot so I understand Ted's Ted's moment here of just sort of relaxing and, and rolling the dice Sure. And we get to hear about all the things that Ted wants in a girl. And we've heard some of them here and there. The girl should love dogs, want two kids, like Otis a Redding. Boy and a girl. Yep. Boy and a girl. Yep. Uh, the Otis Redding is like Victoria. Comes through. Yep. Yep. Again yep. and again. So that was like one thing. We've already heard about that. Oh, God. And it comes back around in a beautiful way. No spoilers. Uh, <sighs> no spoilers. No spoilers. Okay. So um, the bass, she plays bass guitar and like sports and... Um, Lily is the one that says you're never going to find this girl. I'm so surprised that Lily is the one that sort of gives up on... I know. She's such like a downer. Yeah. Maybe it's just her being realistic, but... I don't. I feel like she's more depressed about Ted being 28 and getting older, you know? Projection. Hello. Mm, yeah. Hello, right. Barbara. <laughs> Projection. Ted, again, says, you know, once in a while, you just got to take yourself out of the running and let fate take hold and that you know it's exhausting out here and I'm done I'm done trying to to make something out of nothing and Marshall is sort of in disbelief that he's trying to leave this to fate because like how could that possibly work meanwhile we, we cut over to a darkened room that used to be the office of one Ellen Pierce we see the computer running through a bunch of guys landing on Ted's face and then it just says match. And we know, we know from the caliber of matches that we saw at Love Solutions that if it's somebody, it is somebody great. We cut to the apartment and we see Lily all dressed, her hair is done. Iconic um, outfit. Yeah, I, I wrote, we see Lily looking amazing. Mm-hmm. It's a great dress. She just looks mm-hmm. so good. And Ted comes out of, the, of his bedroom and notes that she's up early and Lily wanted to make some pancakes. Guilt pancakes. Guilt pancakes. Marshall doesn't know yet, so they walk over. Ted opens the door and, like, wafts the smell of pancakes <laughs> in. And Marshall comes out, like, so excited. 
So what's, sweet. What's better than waking up to the smell of delicious pancakes? On a work day. On a work day, which is so ambitious of Lily. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's a lot. I mean, you have to get up really early to do all of that. Jitters, man. They'll mm-hmm. do crazy stuff to you when you got feeling guilty. He sits down and starts to eat these pancakes, and he's so happy. He says that they are delightful. And then he's immediately crushed because it's basically the high point of his day because we know that Marshall needs money, so he's interning at his soul-crushing job at, the, at Barney's firm. And we see this really great exchange with uh, Ted, Marshall, and Lily. We see Ted go over to the fridge, and he takes out some milk, and he drinks it. He's <laughs> like, oh, this milk is bad. And, Bar- and Marshall says, oh, yeah, that got me yesterday. And Ted puts the milk back and says, <laughs> like, can't believe, like, Marshall didn't throw it out. But meanwhile, Ted also did not throw it out. But it's one of those things where, you know, like, you got to smell this milk. You got to taste the milk. Like, you know it's bad, but you have to try it anyway. Oh, so I mean, if I know it's bad, I'll smell it. I will not taste it. I don't drink milk, so I don't ever run into this problem. But I will smell it. I'll be like, how? Let me smell how bad this is. Yeah, let me smell. You have to. But I would never drink it if it was over, even by a day. We cut to Ultracell, which is where Barney and Marshall work. Mm-hmm. And Barney's at the window with binoculars. And Marshall comes in with a real work question. Wants to know something <laughs> about requisition forms. and Boring. <laughs> boring, exactly. And Barney tells Marshall to get the second pair of binoculars and come over to the window. Mm-hmm. And we see this man... Clark Butterfield, who works at Nicholson, Hewitt, and West, and he starts to, like, eat this sandwich. And Barney tells Marshall that every morning he orders a same sandwich from the deli downstairs. Well, of course, it's Barney, and he wouldn't be watching for no reason, so we find out that he sent Clark Butterfield an email with pictures of what he did to the sandwich downstairs. And Marshall's horrified, and Barney has this great diabolical laugh. So they go back to the window, and we see Clark again. And we see that he is checking his email. And he looks down at the sandwich, and he's just horrified, like spits it out, and he's disgusted. And Barney, like, gives him, like, this salute. Because Clark looks over, and he knows who it is, and... Oh, yeah. It looks right into the binoculars. Mm. What a great character actor that guy is. Do you know right. his name? Nate Torrance. It's from Canton, Ohio. Oh, he... another Ohio boy. Mm-hmm. Cool. He was a voice of Clawhauser in Zootopia, which I saw, but I don't remember that hmm. name. Um, cool. Yeah, he's been in, like, a couple things. I don't... He looks, like, vaguely familiar. He's that kind of, like, generic I think he's been in a lot of commercials. Hmm. And did you say that he works at Nicholson, Hewitt, and West already? Yep. So remember the name of that firm, friends. It'll come back around. It'll come back around. Barney starts talking about this feud and who knows how far it goes back because, you know, can't remember who shot first, which is a mm. reference to Star Wars. And did Han oh. shoot first or was it Greedo? Oh. It, it was Han, but You're you know, a nerd. whatever. Yeah, just a little bit. So Marshall's like all ready to go back to work and Barney's like, whoa, 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 Butterfield's going to retaliate in the next four hours. This is war, Erickson. <laughs> and, you know, Barney tells Marshall that he didn't hire him for his law skills. He hired him to be his executive mischief consultant. Oh, Dream job. Drop everything, Marshall. You're, You're not going to get fired. Bunch of money, right. <laughs> Hello? What? Yeah. But Marshall is an adult, or trying to be. I don't know. He's like, I'm sorry, I have work to do. He's a good guy. 
I Who guess. Cares? I guess. I don't know. It just sounds <laughs> really fun. But oh yeah. So Barney's like whatever. You know, gives a stern look. Buzzes in his secretary Tracy, and in. <laughs> Asks Tracy to inform Mr. Erickson <laughs> that he's no longer speaking to him, which she does, and it's perfection. And I, the thing I love the most about Tracy and her character in the brief time we have with her is that she just does whatever Barney says. Doesn't question it. Or she sees things that Barney's doing, and she does not question it. But at the same time, you know she's judging. Oh, for sure. Like, she does it in a way that it's a, a very light judge. Like yeah. a light shade, like the way she says... Mr. Erickson. Just the way she delivers it is just so like, I know this is ridiculous. You know this is ridiculous. But this is my job. And I probably make a shitload of money. Oh, for sure. Right. I love it. I I also love love that um, when Barney says, who knows who shot first? Marshall's like, you did. And Barney's like, yeah, obviously. (laughs) I just want to know what, what started that. Barney did something. I mean, I'm sure he looked across the way and was like, I bet I could prank the shit out of that guy. Do you think it was because he had the corner office on the top floor? Ooh, like he's jealous? Mm-hmm. Because mm. he looks up. True. He's like, that guy's on a higher floor. I'm going to fuck with him. Mm-hmm. Established dominance. Yeah. <laughs> so he probably spent like weeks like investigating this guy and finding out everything about him. That sounds about right for Barney. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, one other thing to keep an eye on. So we want to make sure to put a pin in the idea of Nicholson, Hewitt, and West. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is pancakes. Yes. Carter and Craig love symbolism. So the idea of pancakes will come back around in season two. And the and the symbolic nature of the pancake. So then we have a little scene at the apartment. Uh, Ted is there and the phone rings. and this, His landline. His landline. You know, like you do. And this big burly dude calls from Love Solutions, which is, as we know, where Ellen used to work um, back on the Matchmaker episode, a.k.a. the Cockamouse episode. Great episode. Love it. Uh, So uh, back then, Ellen wasn't able to find him anybody, but turns out there is a soulmate now. This guy says, well, you know, it took a while, but it came up and now we have a soulmate for you. So, of course, Ted rushes right down there because Mm -hmm. he wouldn't be Ted if he didn't want to meet his soulmate. And he's probably thinking fate has paid off. Like, this is that common theme that uh, Carter has talked about between fate and self-determination, like making things happen yourself. Like, which one is it going to be? In this case, Ted thinks, oh, that's a check in the fate column. I should have stopped trying so hard a long time ago. Or fate and free will, I guess it would be called. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he gets down there and finds out that a meat and textiles conglomerate has taken over love (laughs) solutions. Which all of that just makes such perfect sense. I know, right? When you look at that guy. so random. He has such meaty forearms. That's all I could think about when I look at him. uh, So I was looking him up. Um, It's Eric Allen Kramer, born in Michigan. Michigan! He, I guess, played the dad on Good Luck Charlie, which we're a little old for. Mm. Um, so I, I guess, but he played people with names like Coach Gunderson, Bear, Little John, like, <laughs> yeah, Olaf. You know, he's like a big, yeah, big. Like, he's a big Swedish dude. dude, like big Scandinavian guy. So uh, this guy seems super jazzed to be in this industry now. Apparently, mm-hmm. he was like probably like a meat, like a meat packer, and then got yeah. Moved up the chain into management and ended up 
run in a thing where people meet their soulmates. The guy's like, okay, it's 500 bucks. And Ted's like, no way. I tried this before. And the, the girl that I was supposed to be with was actually engaged and it didn't work out. And the guy's like, fine, just read the file. Um, you just don't have to it. pay for it. Just read it. Right. So Ted does. And he's reading the list that he came up with at the bar earlier. You know, It's like when Jane and Michael Banks write the list of what <gasps> they want Mary, Mary Poppins, Poppins to be. And they put it up the chimney. Yeah. And then she comes down. And then yeah. there she comes, right? Yeah. It's, that's basically what it's like. She's practically perfect in every way. We don't see her face. No. And I wonder if they did this because uh, in case they could bring her back around in like a later right, a later episode. Keep their options open. Yes. So we don't see her face, but we see her doing all these active things. And she loves all the things that Ted does. She even wants a boy and a girl. and. Mm-hmm. You know, she plays bass guitar, which is, like, for me, the one thing that seems, it's, like, the, the, the reach, you know? Like, or liking the... lasagna. <laughs> All right, Robin. <laughs> Jesus. Barf. What is, what is bad about lasagna? It's pasta. It's ricotta. It's cheese. It's sauce. It's a labor of love. It's, it's just difficult oh. to make. Oh, it's the, it's the labor of it that bothers you. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Or maybe if you were just, like, a, like a better... Like a better person, you yeah. wouldn't mind cooking that from your family. I guess, <laughs> I guess so. But yeah, so she loves everything that he loves, and he throws down the five hundred bones for it. Which he really, it really should have been free, but that's okay. Yeah, but it's under new management. Were you gonna uh, debate that with Mister Ham Forearms? No. Yeah. Yeah. Back at Ultracell, Barney and Marshall are apparently speaking again because. Barney has called him into his office to have him taste his drink to see if it's decaf. But I don't think that's something you can taste. I don't think so either. I, I don't know. I can't taste the difference. I mean, I feel like I would have said, like, I think they gave me soy milk. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. You could taste, but yeah. whatever. I don't know. Marshall is a good friend, so he decides to try it anyway and tells Barney that it's fine. Gullible ass bitch. <sighs> Midwestern in him, I guess. Yep. So he's yep. just so genuine and true got him and barney tells him that that's what he thought until he got this email from butterfield he shows marshall and marshall's just disgusted so what do you yeah. think he did do you think he peed in it or it dipped his dick like a donut <laughs> like a donut stick yeah i feel like yeah, yeah. like a cru- like crueler. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i feel like oh. all of these are just like like i feel like barney like laid his dick in the sandwich and now butterfield Dips his dick in hot coffee. Like, I'm just, I don't think, I feel like bodily fluids would have been crossing the line. They're not Brianna brochure, brochure or whatever that oh, fucking. Oh, God. That bitch needs to rot. Like, all right, side note. Not going to be, like, real judgy about appearance, but you can tell she comes from a, a, a background of privilege because nobody ever told her that she was. Fucking ugly. Less than average. Whatever. Hit every branch of the ugly tree on the way down. Mm-hmm. Woof. Yeah, so I think. Bodily fluids probably is crossing the line. I think so too. So I don't think it's yeah. I don't think it's a Brianna Brochu situation. (laughs) It's got it. Maybe it's like, what could you do to coffee? Maybe he licked the rim, but that doesn't seem gross enough. That's not gross enough to like have to wash your mouth out after. It's I think it's penis, probably or balls. (gasps) Ew! He dipped his balls in his coffee. That gives you more ew than his dick. I think they're both gross, but balls are hairy. 
right? The balls are hairy. Mullet yeah, I, I guess yeah. they can be. Um, <laughs> Different strokes. Oh, wait. I guess. You no, know, I'm just like, but pee comes out of his penis. <laughs> Which is why I also had a really hard time with the idea of a blowjob. Like, a bloge? That's where, that's where they pee. That's where pee pee comes out. <laughs> You know, so yeah, I just have I a hard time have a hard with that. Time with blowjobs, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's really hard to swallow. Heyo! I gave him up for Lent seventeen years ago. <laughs> um. Anyway. Anyway. Enough dick jokes for the night. Uh, anyway, so what, the point is, Barney has Marshall. Marshall fell right into his little trap because now that bastard has to pay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He has hooked Marshall, and, uh, you know, now his executive mischief consultant is ready to report for duty. One th- one thing I noticed as I was writing out my notes, Marshall is apparently based on Craig Thomas, mm-hmm. who in the, in the first scene when you see the paramedics, he's the taller one, the sort of lankier guy. Yeah. Um, obviously, because Marshall's gigantic, as he said last episode. <laughs> I... I love all the jokes about Marshall being humongous. And... I know. So I was writing the notes, and this is the first time that I had to write M-E, like Marshall Erickson. Yeah. And is that Craig writing about me? Like, <gasps> What? Right? Right? Like, did he get named M-E, like Marshall Erickson, because it's about himself? But do you think that's uh, true? Maybe. Maybe. I'll ask Craig. He probably won't respond, but I'll try. I don't know. You guys are pretty close. We're homies. Okay, so that night at the bar, Ted's waiting for his soulmate date. And he was so excited he got there early, which is important because now he has time Mm -hmm. to deal with the uh, world of shit that's about to come down the pipeline. His phone rings. The flip phone. Never a good thing. Never a good thing. Never a good thing. And... He gets on the phone and it's Lily. And we see her in a car. This is the first time we've seen any of them driving a car. Mm-hmm. I don't think we even knew anybody had a car at this point. No. Right? The, I don't the think Fiero so. hasn't been mentioned yet. Mm-mm. So Lily's behind the wheel of a car. Uh, we knew that she was going grocery shopping after work. Right. Um, because she's supposed to pick up milk. And that starts like the whole milk metaphor. Um, but she's clearly not at the grocery store. She is actually in Dutchess County, which is way outside of New York City. Way outside. Way outside, like on the way to New Haven. And she has a flat tire in Marshall's Fiero. Ted's like, okay, well, this is clearly a Marshall problem. Like, why don't mm-hmm. you call him? And Lily gets very serious and says that Marshall can't know about this. And uses her feminine wiles to guilt him into taking a cab out to Dutchess County by telling him that she's basically in the beginning of a horror movie and that there is a drifter with a hook for a hand. Reference to, I know what you did last summer? Urban Legends in general. I was thinking of, I was thinking specifically, I know what you did last summer, Sarah Michelle Gellar, star with her in Buffy. Oh! Is there a Maybe. hook for a hand? And I, I thought so. I thought I remember like seeing like a hook on like posters. I never saw mm. those movies. Yeah, I just assumed it was like just an urban legend because that was always the one. Like, and yeah. he left the hook behind. Ooh, always, always. 
Got a lot of hooks. Ted leaves the bar because he really is the best friend ever. Like, he does a lot of annoying stuff, but... He's a good friend right? and a good person. He left he is. his soulmate sitting in a bar because mm-hmm. Lily fucked up. We see Ted get to Dutchess County. He gets out of the cab $90 later, and we see a sign in the background that says 76 miles to New Haven. So what the hell is going on? Right. Um, Ted was able. Ted tells Lily he was able to push back the date because this girl's obviously perfect and you know a caring person like him. And before Lily will tell him anything, she makes him swear on his two children that he will never tell Marshall. That's big. That's big because as far as we know, Marshall and Lily have been together for ten years. They tell each other everything. My God, they've peed in front of each other. Yeah. That's serious. This is deep. And so the fact that she doesn't want Marshall to know is bad. It's mm-hmm. a bad thing. And this is a continuation of the growing anxiety she's been feeling. So apparently around the time the wedding got pushed up and Van Smoot became available and everything kind of got accelerated, Lily stopped being able to sleep because she was so anxious. You know, she mm-hmm. said getting married to Marshall was what she always wanted to do, but... For some reason, um, it coming so quickly felt overwhelming. So she couldn't sleep. Um, So she was up all the time. And she couldn't talk to Marshall because he was fine. Mm -hmm. He seemed fine. He seemed totally fine. So she would stay up all night reading and painting, like doing things she really liked to do and um, getting a high score on Super Bomberman. (laughs) I love that part. I know. She kind of like goes off. She's like, yeah, I got in the zone. Because I can imagine like Marshall... And Ted one day playing it, be like, whoa, who got the high score? And just being like mystified and amazed. I'm sure Marshall thought it was a ghost. Oh, probably. With right? corporeal form. <laughs> Enough to pick up a controller. That's another screenplay idea, buddy. A ghost that goes around saying the high score in all the local arcades. I want to see it. I want a rock opera on my desk, Marshall. Tomorrow. Close the business tomorrow. So apparently in all this time, this time where she's sort of thinking about like she has a brain space for all this stuff and she's sort of exploring her painting more. She starts thinking about Victoria. Mm -hmm. And I forgot that Victoria was kind of a catalyst for this, which I think is really interesting how they weave her back in. Um, And so she starts thinking about how Victoria went to Germany because that's where her dream was taking her. And so this kind of reminded me of myself when um, I came back home and graduated college and I started writing all the time. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't been writing much before, but I started writing all the time. And then I was like, oh shit, this is what I want to do. You know, like when you finally like reinvest yourself in it, you remember that it's important to you. Right. And then you're like, why don't I see what I can do with it? So in all of her <clears throat> sort of thinking about painting and thinking about Victoria, she was exploring the idea of an art fellowship, and she found one that was really exciting to her. And it just so happened to be in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And you see Ted just kind of floored because, of, like, of course, whoa, yeah. If Marshall didn't know anything about this, clearly Ted didn't either. And uh, she says, "I was never going to take it because it conflicts with the wedding." Mm-hmm. And then you're like, "Oh shit." She's driving to New Haven for something she's not going to take that happens to conflict with the wedding. So, I mean... Like, oh. oh. Yeah. 
And she, I mean, Alison Hannigan, this whole scene, she does such an incredible job acting like Lily, who's acting like she believes what she's saying. It's like right. this, this very, like, desperate sound in her voice where we know that she doesn't believe anything she's saying. Or we don't believe it. And Ted right. doesn't believe it. Mm-hmm. And he kind of calls her out. And he says, you know, we live in New York City. You could have found a fellowship in New York City, but... Before that, he even says, he looks at her and goes, you don't want to get married. Yeah. And, she, and then Lily says, no, I just I just want to see if I could do this. Just wanted to see if I could. Right, right, right. And, and that's so, what Ted points yeah. out. And that's sort of like where he shows his work. Like, no, you don't want to get married. You could have found something in New York City. Um, you chose something 3,000 miles away that conflicts with your wedding this summer. And, and you kept it a secret. From your best friends. The guy that you've been with since you were 18 years old. Mm-hmm. That's guilt. And that's, that's, that's bad. Mm-hmm. That's huge. That's huge. And, and especially since this whole season, we have seen nothing but Lily being the conscience of the entire group. Yep. And so to see her do this, I understand why people are like, fuck Lily. But all I see is like, she is in deep trouble. Like she's mm-hmm. in turmoil and something isn't right. Like, Doing this sort of drastic thing is right. like a hallmark of not being well. And so the stress has totally gotten to her. So she admits that she was having second thoughts, which is huge. It's huge. I still don't know if I would have admitted that at that point to Ted. No, it only takes her like a minute. She's a very honest person. Mm-hmm. She just pauses and she's like, yeah, Ooh. but not anymore. But not anymore. Not anymore. And we still don't believe her. Because the um, flat tire was a sign, she says. But Yeah. Yep. 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 And we get to see Allison Hannigan turn on the waterworks, I think, for the first time. And mm-hmm. my God. She's so, so good. She's so talented. So she's like, yeah, this flat tire, was a, flat tire was a sign. I'm not supposed to do this. I'm supposed to go home and be with Marshall. And implied in that is give up. Mm-hmm. You know? At least to her. In her mind. It, right. It, it in implies, her mind, it's giving up. It's putting that dream away forever because she feels like she has to have it one way or the other. Right. She feels like she has to choose, which she doesn't. Yeah. And she says, I love Marshall. And you know that she does. And that's like, and we talked about this. I think, yeah, it was last episode when she was having these, these conflicting feelings at the prom and everything. It's rare that you see a sitcom give you such a conflicted, moment for a character like yeah because there's not a second that you don't believe that she really loves marshall but she also really wants to do this so it's like this is it's just a very um genuine human moment because a lot of times there are two things you want to do equally yeah and you can't do them at the same time and it fucking sucks I love Ted with her, too, and, you know, she's, like, crying, and she says, you must think I'm stupid, and he tells her that she's not, and she starts to say, I love Marshall, but Mm. he's like, I know you, I know that, too, and he just hugs her and holds her and tells her it's Mm. okay, and it's, it's it's just really sad. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very sad moment, um, and you feel like maybe she's getting it out of her system, and, but she's still wondering why she feels so crazy but marshall Mm -hmm. seems fine and why is why isn't marshall doing anything crazy and then we smash cut to marshall at the office 
with a fucking <laughs> whiteboard, just being the executive mischief consultant, talking about the the shipping box up. and the mice. And there's a diagram. It's like a whole thing. So we cut back and the tire's fixed. Uh, Ted has fixed the tire. And Lily has recovered from her regret. She's and she, manic almost. Yeah, she's like you know? manic. She's like, let's do it. Come with me. Let's go to New Haven. And side note, Allison Hannigan clearly is not from the Connecticut area. Because she says New Haven instead yeah. of New Haven. New Haven, yeah. New Haven, okay. And New she's also Haven. not from New York because a New Yorker would know that. Yep. Right? And also, the, and like, a New Yorker would know you. Ne- why would you, Why are you in Dutchess County? Unless traffic was so bad, the only way you could go, go was so far north. Right, why Ridiculous. did you just take freaking the commuter rail? Yeah. Oh, my God. Right? <laughs> Whoa. Didn't even think of that. I'm like, I've driven, like, from New Haven to New York a hundred times. I've done that drive. Yeah, why was she in Dutchess County? We took the train from New Haven. We did. That one time we went to the big city. Oof. The one time we got it up to leave the country. Never again. Talk about mistakes, right? (laughs) (laughs) You know, she says, I'm not going to take this thing, but I need to know if I get it so I can put it away. And this is the kind of thing that in real life you tell yourself to justify what you're about to do. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just sort of enabling you to take the next step. It's really not you getting it out of your system at all. In life, if you or anyone else ever says, I just need to do it one more time to get it out of my system, that's not what you're doing. That's not, no. No, you're just refusing to shut the door on something. Um, And we see Ted do that all the time with Robin. Yeah, I do that, like, I don't know, four or five times a month when I say I'm going to stop drinking coffee. (laughs) Yeah, last one. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start off fresh week, not going to have any coffee. Last one, I swear. Yeah, never works. Nectar of the gods. Mm. So we get this... Beautiful little monologue from Lily. Did you write it down word for word? I did. All right. Well, I copied and pasted it. Please, would you like to read it for us? Yes. Get into character. Oh, this is like, I feel pressure. It's all right. Hey, like like, uh, Josh Radner's character says in Rise, just say the lines. Don't act. Just say them. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right, so Lily says, okay, yes, it's a mistake. I know it's a mistake, but there are certain things in life where you know it's a mistake, but you really don't know it's a mistake because the only way to really know it's a mistake is to make the mistake and look back and say, yep, that was a mistake. So really, the bigger mistake would be to not make the mistake because then you'd go your whole life not knowing if something is a mistake or not. And damn it, I've made no mistakes. I've done all of this, my life, my relationship, my career, mistake-free. She's right. I mean, she's done everything. She's done everything right. By the book. Just, yeah. And I think, I think it's very true that even if you try your hardest to do everything right, like from the age of 18, there's going to come a point where that all gets fucked up and you have mm-hmm. to be a mess of a person for a little while. Yeah. And that's what Lily did. And I did that. You did that. I did that. Like, <laughs> right? Like. Yeah. You think that you kind of like get into something and you settle in and you're like, okay, this is my life. Everything's fine. 
This is my life now. I live here. (laughs) I live here. I'm never going to have to go through that like weird, awkward dating thing. I'm never Mm going to have to be on my own. Like you just, you think you've got it all figured out and life is like, okay. Hold my beer. Yeah. So that's, this is Lily. She's having the crisis that you are supposed to have in your twenties. She just happens to be very inconveniently in a, an extremely serious relationship. When it happens. Right. Which, what happens when Saturn returns? Oh my god, it is! And they're 28. This is Lily's Saturn return. So yeah, so she says, I'm freaking out. I'm your best friend. You just have to trust me. I just need to do this. And she fucking drives off and leaves she him speeds on up, the side him. of the road in, in Dutchess, Dutchess County. County. What? That's how you know. And that's, again, everyone's like, oh, fuck Lily, blah, blah, blah. She's like, terrible. She's so selfish. Listen. Everybody is. And you, I mean, I feel like every other episode except for this one proves what a good person and a good friend she is to Ted and to everybody else. So the fact that she's doing this, she is in fucking crisis. We should, you know, everyone else gets to be selfish. Mm -hmm. Why can't Lily be selfish? Mm -hmm. Ted's fucking selfish. Right. And I mean, she's doing it in an insane, impulsive way. And this is not the last time (laughs) she does something insane and impulsive when she (laughs) freaks out. She has, she's a runner. I mean, fight or flight, Lily is a fleer. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she drives off into the night and leaves Ted in her dust on the side of the road. Awful. Strands him. Now, now, now. Do you have something that you have done in your life that you knew? You knew it was a mistake, but you did it anyway. Yeah. You want to tell Married me Married my ex. hey <laughs> When, like that absolutely like how, without hesitation like I knew or even just staying with him longer mm-hmm. than I should have like yeah. I knew but in my mind I felt like I needed to do it and try it to say I tried yeah I knew it was a mistake but I had to make the mistake to know for sure that it was, that a, it mistake. was a mistake yeah. so I like when Lily was explaining that I totally understood it yeah. Totally made sense. Like, of yeah. course. Like, otherwise you always wonder. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just, that's part of life. Life is messy. Life yeah. is making mistakes. Mm-hmm. How about you? Um, for me, the the ex thing kind of just felt inevitable. Like, mm-hmm. we're together, so we're gonna, we're just gonna be together forever. Like, that, that to me didn't feel like a choice I made. But I think in the aftermath when I was single, that was kind of when I was like, I did everything right, and this is where it got me. So now I'm going to just fuck up for a while and do some stuff that, you know, I might not want to be all that excited or proud of. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, just dating kind of seedy people and, um, you know, just doing things that I I would never do now or um, sort of entertaining things that I wouldn't now just to say that I did them and Mm -hmm. um, just trying trying out things, you know, doing the try on 20s like I should have done earlier on. Yeah. So I get it. I totally, I think both of us really understand the, um, the kind of feeling of everyone else gets to fuck up. I need to, I need to fuck up. I need to fuck up right now. So I guess there's like a commercial break or whatever. And we see Ted on the side of the road and he's leaving a message for Lily, which he also (laughs) had sent her via text, but she's not answering him. Not surprisingly. He does that later on too, where he contacts someone and, Several different ways. Yeah. So look out for that. Yeah. He likes to do that. I also sent you an electronic mail. 
I can't wait for Karen. Oh my god, he's so bourgeois. <laughs> so finally, he calls Barney and asks him for a huge favor. Barney's like, sure, anything, bro. And as soon as tell- Ted tells him what he needs, he's like, nope. <laughs> and he wants to know what he's doing in Dutchess County. And Ted's cover is that he's picking apples. In the middle of the and- night. Well, he's just a ter- this whole scene is like, Ted is a terrible liar. He's really bad at lying. Really, really bad at lying. And we see, you know, Barney is in his office still. It's nighttime. And we see Marshall with a, like, tank filled with white mice and a box. And they're, like, crawling up. He's, like, trying to wrangle them into this <laughs> box. And, oh. So and disgusting. It's, yeah. So he puts Marshall on the phone with Ted and... He's like, yeah, hey, like, no big deal. Like, um, I'll pick you up. I'll grab the Fiero and I'll be there soon. And that's when Ted freaks because he, well, he is his best friend just as much as Marshall is because they all yeah. kind of met each other the same day, really, you know, yeah, first day of college. Fully in the middle, yeah. He's so in the middle, but I think he realizes that it's not his place. Mm-hmm. So he tells him that he's just pranking Barney. And Marshall, as the executive mischief consultant or whatever his title is, is horrified that that's the prank. Yeah. Like, oh, come on. That's your prank? Trash. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it's garbage. Still gullible, though. Still believes that that was a I prank. I know. Oh, have some more milk, Marshall. So they hang up the phone and we see Marshall and he's talking with Barney and he realizes that. There's no way he would have this much fun if he worked at the uh, for the NRDC. And yeah, cuz there's no money. <laughs> like, there's there's no money. Yeah. And you wouldn't be working with one of your best friends doing dumb shit. Right. And Barney gets kind of excited. He's like, oh, "Are you going to work here?" And Marshall tells him he is thinking about it but doesn't want him to tell Lily. So, right. uh we see Tracy come back in and She's leaving, and she looks at them putting mice into the box and <laughs> reminds them to pop a few holes in the box. And, again, doesn't even question what's going on, just kind of, like, looks at it, and you are going to po- poke holes in that, right? Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. She and knew Barney, they weren't going to. She knew they weren't, and both of them also didn't even think about it. And they're like, oh, that, that would have been bad. So Butterfield would have come across a hundred dead, dead mice, mice. <laughs> in a box oh god and you just know tracy's like i might make some money but these two morons make so Way much more. more money than i do yep smartest gal in the office right there tracy is played by brenda isaac's booth oh she was in hook she played the secretary she played a couple of nurses she played reporter number three she kind of looks like a reporter. 50s mom. She played Nora the horse. Woman with dog. Gate attendant. Diane. The roles for women in Hollywood. Good job, Brenda. You were a shining light in this episode of a shining light of intelligence and uh, no bullshit. So good job. Yeah. We loved you. Yeah. So Ted calls Robin from the side of the road and she comes and gets him because she also is a very good friend. And is still totally in love with Ted. And she's wearing this awful snow hat. And you oh, can tell it's really bad. It's real bad. It's got like the strings. Probably wouldn't have looked so bad if all of her hair wasn't tucked up under it. 
It's not a great look. Yeah, but neither is what's underneath. So no. it's, it's clear that they're back to being buds. Like there's this very like witty, snappy back and forth between them. And there's like that crackling chemistry that mm-hmm. uh, Carter and Craig do so well between these two. And mm-hmm. again, like whenever they write, they sort of really focus in on what's important. And this scene, not a lot happens, but you can sort of see their friendship has rebuilt and there's still some stuff kicking around. Um, and... Ted mentions the hat, and Robin does tell him that she got shitty highlights. And I love that Ted makes a joke about highlights in the magazine. Me too. Which also comes back around, the highlights Mm. magazine. Ted begs to see her hair and makes a Tony the Tiger joke, but she refuses and changes the subject and switches to talking about his date. And, I mean, her tone kind of gets a little bit sad while she's talking about it. I think she's trying to... To be cool, like be the cool friend. Because yeah. the two of them are obsessed with like, what, we're friends. What are you talking about? We're just buddies. It's no big deal. We can talk about this weird shit with each other. Uh, so he's just saying that this this woman checks off all of the boxes that he wants. Um, but he doesn't seem excited. Mm-hmm. It's one of those, she's good on paper people. I mean, he hasn't met her yet, but it's almost like she's too perfect. Which is like what this episode's about, right? Is Mm -hmm. do you want to settle for what's perfect or you want to go for what really lights your fire? And we find out Robin doesn't like his favorite book, Love in the Time of Cholera. I didn't like Love in the Time of Cholera, but I did like 100 Years of Solitude by the same author, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, one of my favorite books of all time. Beautiful book. I haven't read either. If you're going to read one, read 100 Years. And it's actually a really, it's a good summer read. Because it's, okay. it's, it's, um, it takes place over like four or five generations of family. Oh. And I love that stuff. Mm. As we know with Fear, As we know. fear Street yeah. Saga. So, it's a little more intense. The goods and the fear. Yeah, it's a little more in- intense. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about on the nose. <laughs> nice last right? names. Oh, but they're spelled different, so. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so she doesn't like his favorite book. She doesn't like his favorite food. Uh, and she also doesn't want kids. She even says, I want to have zero kids. So this is the first time that we hear this from Robin. She's sort of coming out as somebody who wants no children. And as a woman, that's not easy. No, and it, and Ted's surprised. And people, I think, when you are a woman and you say that, mm. they're shocked. Like, I have one child. I am happy with one child. That's all we want. And people would always say, you'll regret it. Uh, You know, I don't think I'm going to. Just because you regret your ugly kids, don't tell me I'm going to regret not having them. Right. I And I think part of it, too, is that Chris and I really enjoy being together. And we're Mm -hmm. okay once Jack grows up and leaves. We're okay with it just being us. And we don't need to have more kids to fill that right void or that gap like yeah. we enjoy our time together Hell yeah. and we enjoy our time with jack like yeah it's you don't need a good. baby no whatever yeah but that's it is very tough for women to say that out loud without hearing like oh you'll change your mind yeah they'll always tell me but i'm not going to I, or I i'm an or i'm an adult and i like know who yeah. i am and i know what i want and you're trying to suck me into your cult listen nancy calm down karen <laughs> They get back to to Manhattan, and Robin drops them off at the bar. They're sitting in the car, and she says, I hope she's everything you're looking for. 
but she seems really sad about saying that. Mm-hmm. And we hear the song start playing just a little bit in the background. And it's the same song that'll sort of crescendo out through the rest of the scene. And it's called Mother of Pearl by uh, Roxy Music. And Ted can sort of see that she's... Oh, no. she can. Robin can see that he's not getting out of the car. And he seems sort of upset or, like, she stressed or down. something. So she, you know, obviously knows something's going on. First of all, we have this big date that's probably really stressing him out. Because does Ted really want his soulmate right now? <laughs> Um, no. <laughs> or does he just want to keep that yearning feeling? And on top of that, she found him on the side of the road. So, like, there's stuff going on. So she decides to humor him and show him I wonder, her hair. Go I ahead. wonder if part of Ted thinking, like, he didn't want his soulmate, he didn't want what was perfect, was because Lily and Marshall are soulmates, and they were... Ooh. Do you know what I mean? And he was... And, and he saw Lily questioning and having a hard time with that and Mm. I don't know maybe that made him think a little bit or just being with Robin I think yeah I I think um in my mind the the way that he handles the the end of this episode he was very pro do the right thing be with your soulmate up until he got in the car with Robin like you said and then by the time the end of that ride he understood Lily yeah. Like, I don't think he understood her when she obviously left him no. on the side of the road. But after he saw Robin, he was like, oh, no, I want to do something stupid. Mm-hmm. And, like, he kind of had an understanding for Lily. And that's that's why it sort of ends on a on a happier note. Um, so Robin agrees to show him her hair. Mm-hmm. He missed out on seeing her boobs because he jumped the gun. <laughs> and it's real bad. They're, like, clipping it's right? So... They're like clipping Because uh, her highlights. hair doesn't move. Yeah, they're like a weird, like different material. They're like really like white blonde. It's really bad looking. Real bad. So I'm hoping she was going to the salon like the next morning. Because she's on oh. TV. Yeah, you can't. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Uh, so it may- he said that it made his night and there's clearly like something happening. So the song swells up more and Ted watches her drive up. And instead of going down into the bar, he kind of stares after her and has like this uh, vision of some sort where he's standing at they an altar. They use the filter from the early seasons of RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> yeah, they smear, <laughs> smeared a ham smeared on the lens. Yeah. <laughs> Shot it through a bag of ice, as they would say. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like a really like hazy dream sequence. And mm-hmm. Ted's at the altar with a, a faceless woman. Perhaps this soulmate that's waiting inside for him. As he's supposed to be saying his vows, he keeps looking over and he sees Robin sitting in the front row and she's looking happy, but then she's looking sad. As they're pushing in on her face, like the smile is sort of cracking and her face is sort of, um, and her face is sinking into mm-hmm. just very like openly upset. And there's like a moment and with like, we're like, yeah, like her lips part. And then it's like, ooh, yeah. girl. So Robin did an excellent job right there. Kobe Smulders did an excellent, excellent job. So clearly Ted has made his decision, and uh, he can't, he can't not make this mistake. We cut to the apartment and we see Lily on the couch with Marshall, and Marshall is like giggling like a little boy. Mm. He's cracking up, and he's telling her about 
his day at the office. And he's like, tomorrow he's going to open up the box and there should be mice everywhere. And Ted comes in and he sees Lily there and asks if she got the milk. Yeah, so it's like this innuendo conversation. Mm-hmm. And she tells him, yeah, she got it. So that means she got the fellowship, right? Yeah. 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 And Ted asks her if she thinks she maybe wants to drink the milk. And Mm -hmm. she says, no, nope, I'm good. I don't need any milk. And Marshall is, like, looking (laughs) back and forth. He's like, look, guys, I know milk's important. It's got the vitamin A. Doesn't suspect anything. No, he's just so wholesome and pure. And it's like, but Ted just had a huge date. How did it go? Mm -hmm. And then we find out that Ted did not go on the date because he realizes he doesn't want perfect. He wants Robin. And Marshall. Can't believe it. He's like, says what we're all thinking, throws his hands up like, oh, no, not this again. It's a mistake. And Ted tells him. All the while looking right at Lily that he knows it's a mistake, but it's a mistake he has to make. And then so he we, gets it. It's like, yeah. I, I, I see you, Lily. I see why. Yeah. Right. And as, like, the scene's ending, we hear, you know, future Ted, and we see Marshall berating, <laughs> absolutely berating Ted, like, totally lawyering him. Yep. And, um, you know, future Ted narrates about all the mistakes that people made. You know, sweet damn, that's a hot plate. Trying the milk, the highlights. And then we see that the mice have chewed a hole <laughs> through the box. And we see one on Barney's shoulder. So it's clearly 100 mice just, like, all over the office. All over the office. So that's episode 21. Oof, what a good one. It was really good. And it also went really quick for me, too. Yeah, it... it, it it had a nice clip to it. And I think that's another mm-hmm. Bayes and Thomas thing. Like they're able to do a lot. Right. In a short amount of time. And it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it, it doesn't feel like it's drawn out. Like they're mm-hmm. very economical. Yeah. With their, with their time. And they cover a lot of ground. So what did you think overall? I really like this episode. It's hard to mm. watch. Because, well, like, obviously, like, I love Lily, and it's hard to see her go through that, but Allison Hannigan is so incredible. Yeah. Um, and for me, too, I love seeing that other vulnerable side of Lily, that, that like, human side of her. Yeah. Yeah, because up, up until this point, she's been the best friend's girlfriend who's always right, and, you know, she's yeah. sort of, she hasn't had... She hasn't had a moment yet. There have been Marshall and Lily moments, but like prom sort of led us into this mm-hmm. uh, sort of Lily moment where Lily, it's sort of like the character is like, I am here, pay attention to just me. I am separate from my fiance mm-hmm. and I have my own dreams and I'm not happy with where I am and I, I need to do something about that. What a good one. Yeah. I like when they're not easy. Some of my favorite episodes are the hard ones because they do it so freaking well. And I think, you know, for a lot of people and TV just in general, it just is such an escape, you know? Like, you want to watch it to get away from, like, good. your real life. But mm-hmm. And this is a sitcom, so you want it to be funny and light, but mm-hmm. it's... It just handles that stuff really well. Yeah, and I think... It makes it more relatable. Yeah, and I think you can tell a real fan, like a deep mm-hmm. fan, when 
their favorite stuff is not the surface stuff. Like, I think anybody could come across an episode with Barney being like legendary and think that was like, <laughs> oh, Barney's so funny. But right. Barney being vulnerable, I think, is fucking ten times better than Barney yeah. doing the the bro code stuff. Like, yeah. that stuff is fun and a great time, but... I want to watch things that make me feel something, and mm-hmm. this show, this show crushes it in that sense. We have four legendary moments from our Woo-hoo. HB family hashtag HB family on Twitter. Yeah, we started the hashtag, and it's amazing. Love it. Oh, and thank Love you it. everybody um, for the last two weeks uh, since Best Prom Ever. Tanya, one of our fans, actually had the idea to. Uh, have everyone yeah. share their prom photos. So That was really fun. That was awesome. So uh, Caitlin and I shared some of our prom homecoming pictures that mm-hmm. Caitlin had because I don't have any pictures. Um, <laughs> so she she's like the historian of our friendship. And um, <laughs> so we shared ours and Tanya shared hers. And um, people got involved. Even if they didn't have a prom, you know, they mm-hmm. shared some other like fancy outfit or just themselves. And it was really, really cool. So... Thanks for participating in that, everybody. Yeah, I loved that. That was freaking awesome. Okay, our first uh, set of legendary moments comes from Abha. And the first one is Lily's monologue about making a mistake that we had Caitlin read earlier. It was a fantastic scene study. Great job, mm. Caitlin. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. <sighs> I probably will fast forward. Catch her at the, at the Playhouse. This weekend. This, this Friday weekend. night. Tip well. So, Abha says, I associate a lot with that monologue. I've been living on my own for a long time now, and I've always made my own decisions, and I've never feared making mistakes. At least, I won't regret not doing something. The ability to make a decision on our own, despite the, knowing the dire consequences and still going ahead with it, makes you feel powerful. And I don't like being in a position where I don't call the shots. Very cool. Mm. That's true. Like, knowing that you have the control over it, like... Yeah. If I'm going to mess up my life, at least it was my choice. It's true. Mm. Uh, so her next legendary moment was uh, Robin letting Ted go, like letting him get out of the, the van to go on his date. I sense it's difficult for Robin to see Ted leave for the perfect girl as, as well, but she's courageous enough to make the mistake. So again, just maybe that was a mistake, like the highlights mm. in her hair were a mistake, and also letting Ted go on this soulmate date might have been a mistake. Second time Robin's done that. She did it with Victoria, too. So Yeah, that's she's, right. She's very selfless or stupid, yeah. whichever one you want to go with. Both? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and finally, Abba says, the scene where Ted decides that he doesn't want the perfect thing anymore and he wants Robin. Um, she says, I know it's stupid and illogical, but the heart wants what the heart wants. Truth. So true. Truth sauce. Our next legendary moment is from Tanya, who sent us a voice memo. Last time. Yeah, last time. Teaching us how to say legendary moment in Afrikaans. Thank you. We got to practice that. (laughs) Tanya writes, hello, K&K. Following on from the last episode, my legendary moment is once again, Miss Lily Aldrin. I know that Lily having doubts about marrying the adorable Marshall may infuriate some, but I don't think she has doubts about Marshall. Mm. Rather, she's doubting her own life decisions. She's still quite young, and for most of her adult life, she's been defined by her relationship with Marshall. I think it's quite natural to feel like all of you is being swallowed by your relationship and that one would potentially make, think, or do 
things that could be disastrous in order to counteract the jumbled up emotions and thoughts. The writers did a fantastic job with the continued development of the Lily character and importantly developing her character separate from Marshall. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yes, she's got a good thing with Marshall, and she's potentially risking that good thing, but she's not just Lilypad. She's not just Marshall's fiance or the voice of reason in the group. She's Lily, a woman with interests beyond their little gang, a woman who deserves more, and a woman allowed to make mistakes. Ted sums it up perfectly with the quote of the episode. Here's the thing about mistakes. Sometimes, even when you know something's a mistake, you gotta make it anyway. P.S. That milk scene is gross. <laughs> Have an awesome week. Ta-ta for now. Tanya, you and but, I are on the same page. It was... You know, I say, I give this speech to all of my friends who become moms when the baby is, like, two, Mm. and they're finally out of that, like, newborn fog. I always say, you are more than just so-and-so's mom. Amen. You, like, and that, like, I've, I know about myself, like, I've never only ever just wanted to be a mother. Like, I have so many interests and activities that are outside of my son, and he is my entire world and I, I love and adore him, but I, he's going to leave me one day and then who, who am I? Then so I think it's so important and I really love how she said that the writers had did a really good job with continuing Lily's character separate from Marshall. I think that's really important. Yeah. Excellent episode for character development for sure. This next one comes from Sam and Sam says, hi, Kate and Caitlin. I didn't think I had a legendary moment for this episode. It's not a bad episode, but just not one that really stands out to me. It is kind of like it's ramping up to stuff, but it is. Yeah. For me, it's a good one, but that's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I just rewatched it, and I'm going to give a legendary moment to Robin's line. You know, I've been thinking about this. I think I want to have zero kids. So there's a little spoiler, and then she says, but I also just love her delivery of this line. That was, I mean, mm-hmm. that's such a powerful thing for even just a character on TV to say, I think. And this was like yeah. in 06. Yep. So it was a while ago. It was 12 years ago. And, and it was still kind of, I mean, it's still stigmatized. Still today. Like we said, for women to not want kids. So for Robin to come up, come out and say that, I mean, I think the, just that one line was a big moment of character development for Robin as well this episode. So she and Lily took some big, some big leaps here, which was great. All right, and last but not least, we have another voice memo from our buddy Miranda. So let's listen to that now. Hi, ladies, it's Miranda. I love this episode because this is one of the episodes that you can point to and say, I told you so. I love this episode so much. I loved every part of it. I loved Barney and Marshall playing pranks against the guy across the street and having it somewhat blow up in Barney's face with little mice all over the place. I loved... Poor Robin and her horrible, tragic hair. Because all of us have had hairstylists who have said, hey, let's try this, and you do it, and it's really, really bad. I even enjoyed Ted's neurotic list of things that he has to have for the perfect woman and how someone actually managed to make it. My legendary moment is Lily because I love it when someone shows their ass. I do. I love it. Um, This episode showed a horrible side of Lily. And that is the, I'm going to leave my best friend on the side of the road because I have something to do and you're not going to stop me. And while, yes, everyone should do what they need to do and do what they feel they need to do and everything is all good and great, you don't leave your best friend on the side of the road. You don't. I'm sorry. You don't. It's just mean. It's rude. It's wrong. And it shows 
the little bit of the evilness that is Lily. That is probably the best point that I could look at, point at and say, hey, Lily has her moments. Here's one. Leaving Ted on the side of the road when she knew he had an important appointment to go to. She knows it. And she kind of guilts him into coming to save her and then turns around and leaves. I know you all love Lily and I won't begrudge you that, but this episode showed Lily has her moments. All right, I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. The evilness that is Lily. Yowza! That's, that's a bold statement there, Miranda. Ooh, Miranda's but... got the hot takes tonight. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, I think it's going to be a fun week on Twitter. Right? Um, but I agree, I love, I love saying I told you so. It's one of my favorites. Oh, that is oh, mm. the best. It's better mm. than someone listening to your advice. Oh, I would much rather me be right and you wrong. Yeah. Because oh, that's please, what it is. Like, please, please, prove my point. Yeah. Take it into the field. Experiment. Scientific method. Told you so, bit. Yeah, wow. I mean, it was an exceptionally selfish thing to do. It was, absolutely. There's no excuse for that. Right. It just was. We have explanations. We don't have excuses. We have explanations, but... <gasps> Thank it. you. So I try to explain that difference to my husband. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's not an excuse. I'm explaining. Right. I'm not saying it was right. I'm just telling right. you I'm why t- it happened. This was why I yeah. did that, yeah. or yeah. this is what I was thinking yeah. at the time. Oof. Good legendary moment. Spicy. Spicy this mm-hmm. week. What was, uh, what was your legendary moment? My legendary moment was just the whole theme of the mistakes. Mm. I think that's really important. I think... Mistakes are important. I think it's important to learn from your mistakes and yeah. and um, to let yourself make them and let yourself make them. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, obviously, I love the whole Barney and Butterfield. The subplot. Oh, of that. yeah. I forgot to mention. Um, there is a blog post, <gasps> an open letter to Clark Bo- uh, Clark Butterfield. It was to all employees of Nicholson, Hewitt, <gasps> and West. It was an email, and he said, "To whom it may concern, we all know Clark Butterfield." great guy you know with the big ears and the weak chin <laughs> and so it goes in to one two three four five paragraphs about all the great quote things that uh clark's doing all sorts of of really truly great charitable things yeah that are not true oh my god it's so good that's awesome what was your uh what was your legendary moment? Well, I I mean, I love Lily's monologue about making mistakes. I love Allison Hannigan's mm-hmm. acting throughout that whole scene. But I got to give it to the cameo by our creators. Oh. It's the one and only time we get to see their beautiful faces. They deserve they deserve that being their legendary moment. You should tweet at them. Yeah. Yeah, it was just great to, to see them and to have them writing at, writing this episode because they always just do such a great job, so... We are yeah. in the home stretch of season I know, one. Can you believe it? It's it's crazy, and things are e- gonna get even crazier next episode. Uh, so tune in for that. We'll um, we'll be wrapping up season one, and then after that, we will have a little mini sode like we did for Rise. But this one will be about all the season one feels, and Caitlin and I will talk about our favorite episode of the season, our least favorite episode of the season, and other exciting things that you're going to want to tune in for. 
Well, fans, thank you for listening. Reminder, we post new recaps every Thursday, so be sure to subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud so you never miss an episode. And if you want to send us your legendary moment from an upcoming episode, uh, next week is Come On. And if you are just listening and catching up now and you weren't able to get your legendary moment in, send it anything you have from season one and we can read it on our mini episode of the season wrap up and email that to us at heybeautifulpodcast at gmail.com or on twitter or facebook at heybeautifulpod we hope you'll come back next episode because it's gonna be legend wait for it this has been hey beautiful with your hosts kate gorton and caitlin turner our intro outro music was by owl all Ooh, sexy.